How many of you like the parables of Jesus? Tell me honestly. How many of you enjoy uh, reading, preaching, you know, narrating? Right? I I fell in love with the parables uh, a few years ago. In fact, very early, early 2010. And uh, I I've always read the parable. By then, I was a 20-year-old Christian, so I had read parables. But suddenly, I I somebody gave me a book, you know. on parables and as i began to read that book on parables i was blown i was really blown it is uh, an rt kendall book and rt is one of our respected teachers in our circles and uh, this book has sold a lot of copies it's an amazing book on the parables of jesus and i i really fell in love so much so that it is now one of my favorite topics that i teach on most training programs besides the old testament you know Uh, it is it is parables i have stopped teaching finance because i've written the book on it but parables is my hot topic i i love teaching on parables because it is uh, jesus's way you know of teaching isn't that wonderful uh, they say there are around 34 actual parables besides that there were a lot of things that jesus said in parables just one liners you know if you count all of that that will cross 60 so there are so many parables and we're going to look at one such this morning the reason jesus used parables brothers and sisters is because he wanted to communicate something to us in secret what is the secret of the kingdom of god then this is what the parables are all about parables is nothing but an earthly story which has a deep heavenly meaning then and that is what makes it exciting i don't know if you are a fan of suspense movies and thrillers but that is what the parable is it is a suspense story it is a thriller you know it is got those uh, cutting edge uh, twists and turns that you see in a in a good movie you know that is what parables are and so we're going to pray and start and look at one parable which is all of one verse that's it it's just a one verse parable right so we're going to pray and let's prepare our hearts that god will speak to us amen father we thank you lord for this wonderful morning lord thank you for reminding us once again how precious you are and how precious is the grace that you've given us lord we truly rejoice in you lord thank you jesus truly it is your grace and grace alone that we are saved lord it is your grace that sustains us and it is your grace that will take us right till the end we thank you for that lord jesus we thank you truly your grace is amazing lord and we fall short of adjectives to express our love to you lord we pray as we look at your word lord your wonderful matchless word we pray come and speak into our hearts lord each one of us we thank you for this gathering lord we pray may the word uh, bring us alive lord speak to us deep into our hearts that we may live for your glory we pray this in your precious name lord jesus amen amen if you have your bibles you can turn with me to matthew chapter 9 and um, just four verses that's it yeah just four verses and we are going to look at this famous famous parable of new wine and fresh wine skins i'll tell you why on two counts um i am preaching this message one is of course we are in the season of prayer and fasting and you will see the connection you may wonder what is wine got to do with fasting you will see the connection and the second is of course there is no doubt that we are in a new phase right we are in a new season and i believe this is the season of new wine and we are the wine skins our lives are the wine skins and we must stay fresh otherwise we will see what will happen if we don't right so here we go before we look at any story any verse in the bible one of the things we were taught uh, you know in the bible bible college that we attended was always start from the beginning right so you look at the verse and then you see how things open 
So let's look at what Jesus said, and then we will look at the the the, the context of what Jesus was saying. What is the you know why did Jesus say what he said? Is it a random verse? Is it some dialogue? No, there is a context to this verse, right? So this is what we are looking at this verse, and then we will look at the story. This is what Jesus said: People do not put new wine into old wine skins; otherwise, the skins burst. the wine spills out and the skins are ruined rather they pour new wine into fresh wine skins and both are preserved amen amen now let's look at the opening so how how did this conversation come into being why did jesus say what he has what he said okay so if you have your bibles please turn with me to matthew chapter 9 and the story starts at Uh, from verse fourteen onwards, okay. So Jesus is in his ministry; his disciples are with him, and suddenly he's approached by some disciples of who of John of John the Baptist. So look at verse fourteen. Then John's disciples came to Jesus and asked him, "How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast?" Right. So they come to Jesus and they have a very valid question. but who are they they are the disciples of john the baptist just to let you know john is in prison and he is not yet executed he will be executed in matthew 14 but he was put in prison in matthew 4 so we are in matthew 9 so this is somewhere where john is in the prison but his disciples john was a radical man right look at that picture huh? it shows you how radical he was you know a man with a uh, camel's hair skin as his jacket and belt and you know eating locusts and uh, quite a guy quite a guy and he came preaching with a fiery message fiery message and obviously how will the disciples be like you know obviously like their master jesus said you know a good disciple is like his master so here are john's disciples who are radical who are cutting edge and they come to jesus okay they are taking the the john's um, you know theory of repentance forward probably even baptizing people and they come across jesus now john had said a few things about jesus so the disciples of john are keeping a close eye on jesus and his disciples and they notice something they notice something that they are not comfortable so they muster courage it wouldn't have been easy for them as disciples to question a master but jesus was very approachable so they come to jesus and say lord we have a question for you can we ask you something and jesus is always open to questions and he says what is it what is the question now understand this questions are important questions are very important questions shape our life you know i was just thinking of this uh, very often when we go to a restaurant you know and the waiter comes and he gives us the menu and he says what would you like to have and uh, this is usually my practice i open the menu i look at it and i'm not decisive obviously i want to check with uh, whoever i'm dining with so something i'd say to him was you know can you give me some moment um can we just get back to you yeah in a few minutes that is that is what most of us would do right you, you would want to discuss and uh, decide and take your time what soup and what starter what's your budget <laughs> look at the menu clearly and then say you know give me some moment let me get back to you but imagine someone okay let, let me just take josh as example imagine josh is standing at an altar there is a beautiful girl in front of him and the minister looks to josh and says josh do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife josh cannot answer what i answered at the restaurant he can't say ah uh, you know what give me some give me a moment let me just think and get back to you 
he cannot say that right because that question is one of the most important questions in life right he's got to say the right answer josh noted down is i do i do right that's it you've got to be prepared you can't just take that moment and that's why i felt some questions in life shape our life amen do you take jesus to be your lord that question will shape your life do you want to be water baptized that question will shape our life man do you take this woman or this husband this man to be a lawfully wedded husband these questions will shape our life and the question that jesus answers is extremely insightful hallelujah jesus is not going to give them a, a conventional answer why they don't fast we will look at that you know jesus answer is very unique but un we understand jesus answer which is amazing which is mind blowing let's understand the question in the first place why did these guys ask such a question right why ask jesus about fasting well firstly it is a question about fasting and we are going to through a season of prayer and fasting and like i said you know that is the reason i picked up this passage i felt it fit in understand uh, even though we just got a week every year every year every season i got somebody calling me and asking me how do we fast why do we fast you know oh, what is this about fasting what is that about fasting and we've been fasting for 16 years but uh, i'm not surprised when people call me every year even this year somebody called me and said i i'm planning to do it this way is it okay you know and it's interesting it's is one of your occupational hazards <laughs> you know every time you mention prayer and fasting people will ask and so and the bible talks a lot about prayer and fasting prayer and fasting was a concept which was developed in the old testament right so you see um it was a, according to the law of moses you'll find this very interesting the jews were supposed to fast only one day in a year that's it that's it it was called the day of atonement or more popularly known as yom kippur right it was this one day that they fasted it is it falls on the 27th of september this year please do not fast okay it is for the jews but let me explain what the day of atonement is let me just quickly say that yom kippur is the holiest day of the jewish year it's the day of atonement and on this day Jews ask God for forgiveness for their sins so that they can secure their faith it is also known as the sabbath of sabbaths right so it was a big day and uh, the Jews break their fast with a feast okay so that is that is there you know, something i'm sure you you're thinking of roza you know because there's a goat and lamb and all of that yeah it's a similar similar concept that was the only day that the Jews were supposed to fast this is how the practice of fasting began but then as time went by we know that people fasted more often than just one day they would fast uh, out of repentance they would fast if they had sinned they would fast if they needed rescue from god you know they would fast as a nation and say lord rescue us and we know different different stories about prayer and fasting so many stories about prayer and fasting uh, in the bible right but this is the origin the day of atonement was the origin but then came the pharisees the pharisees the religious leaders and the guardians of the jewish religion now you know uh, very clearly about the pharisees i'll mention them even later everything that the pharisees did was a show was a sign of piety you know they wanted to show how they are living it was show time these were the guys who would have been perfect cast for uh, tv serials today you know because everything that they did they 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 would behave as if the cameras on them people are watching them and so the pharisees fasted twice a week just to confirm it was thursday and saturday these were two days 
that the Pharisees fasted. Every Pharisee had to fast. Thursday and Saturday, come what may, they would fast. That's why you remember that story where Jesus says, a Pharisee went up to the temple and says, Lord, I fast twice a week. Right? It was their practice. They had to do it. And so the Pharisees brought an angle to fasting wherein they showed they were fasting. They wanted to show that people, watch us, watch us, we are fasting. Then comes John. Now John's disciples also fasted, but for a different reason. They were genuine people who were fasting purely with the intention of repentance. Right? I hope you're with me right, till so far. That's their goal of fasting was what? It was repentance and repentance alone. They felt we must repent of our sins. They were like, you know, they wanted to live so holy that they would say, we want to do this. We want to do this in our strength and exactly opposite of what we spoke this morning about grace. You know, these were guys under law and they said, we must fast. We must beat our bodies and this and that. And then came the disciples of Jesus. Now, interestingly, the disciples of Jesus were not into fasting. They were neither fasting like the Pharisees, nor fasting like John's disciples, right? The fasting wasn't visible. Nobody noticed them. In fact, everyone noticed them eating all the time, right? So the question is important. It is not directed to Jesus. It is directed to his disciples. So they were under the radar, mind you. They were being observed, not just Jesus, but the disciples were being observed. And this is a clue for us, you know, that Jesus has done what he's done and he's gone and sitting at the right hand of the Father. But the disciples of Jesus will always be observed. Amen? And how we live our life is extremely important. That's just a quick snippet in there to remind ourselves that we are being watched. Okay, moving on. Now look at Jesus' answer. It gets very interesting. So let's look at, it's not just one, not two, three. Jesus is going to say three parables as a response. Jesus' response is so interesting. So he doesn't say, uh, you know what? I'll tell you why my disciples don't fast. Actually, honestly speaking, these guys, you know, uh, Andrew has a problem yeah, with indigestion. And, uh, you know, Peter, Peter is too weak to fast. He can't go beyond 12 hours. And uh, Nathaniel is on medication, so he doesn't fast. Jesus doesn't say any of that. Jesus is now going to give them a reason. He's not apologetic, right? He's not saying, oh, I'm so sorry that my disciples didn't fast. I'm so glad you brought this to my notice. I'm taking, going to take their task and I'm going to finalize a day. No, look at Jesus' answer. Now, Jesus says, please look at me what Jesus says. He says, verse 15, Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? You get that? Did you catch it? I hope you did. Jesus has said, there is something about fasting. What is that? It is morning. It is morning, right? I hope you pick that up. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? How can they mourn? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. We'll come to that bit also. So this is what Jesus does. Jesus paints a picture which he loves to do. He loves to do an imaginary painting. He says, imagine a wedding. And everybody attended a wedding in those days, right? I mean, you can't be a human being and not attend funerals and weddings. Everyone does. Everyone does. And Jesus says, you understand how we Jews celebrate? How do we do it? How is the wedding atmosphere? Now, you may not know. So let me explain. The Jews took seven days to celebrate a wedding. Seven days. yeah. So we cannot brag about our Sangeet and our Mehendis. Okay, we just take maximum three days Indians I'm talking about. Jews took seven days. They had a blast. 
they had music and dancing and amazing food and wine and even those who couldn't afford the neighbors chipped in the family chipped in the celebrations went on and on it was absolutely festive absolutely festive you know and after that one year the couple was like take it easy no war no fighting nothing it's like one one year of honeymoon right amazing no yeah you like bring it back bring the jewish customs back but it was really amazing it was truly they knew how to celebrate a wedding they knew how to you know have fun and so jesus is like okay now here is the bridegroom and the bridegroom has friends right there is a group of boys there uh, most of them bachelors and they are enjoying at this party they are having a blast they're checking out you know other girls and who they can marry and they are with the groom and teasing him and you know how is it going and seven days day in day out they have dinner they go back home come next morning again to have fun it is like you know the seven days of navratri that kind of a thing they have their own kind of festival that's going every day is fun fun now jesus says how does fasting fit into feasting fit into wedding of course nobody will expect that fasting will fit into that so jesus now makes a crucial point brothers and sisters what is that that is he is the bridegroom hallelujah he is the bridegroom so he's setting some like i told you he's going to give you amazing insight he wants john's disciples also to learn he says i am the bridegroom and so the, the disciples are my friends right the disciples are my friends and how how do you expect that the theory of jesus being a bridegroom will later be carried on by paul you know he would say you know jesus is the the groom and the church is the bride and revelation again talks about the groom coming to take his bride the church right so jesus said that uh, doctrine in place and moving on jesus says the days will come here right now it's not the time to fast it's the time to enjoy because i am with them what is the reason of not fasting jesus is with them but he says the days will come the time will come luke says the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken out he will not be with them any longer and then they will fast then they will fast of course they will fast and we see that in the new testament we see that with the early church the early church fasted amen amen it was very different brothers and sisters our fasting is extremely different from yom kippur our fasting is definitely different from the pharisees our fasting is also different from the way john fasts now the reason i am saying this is because fasting is such a common concept almost every religion has fasting so what's so unique about christians fasting the uniqueness about the christians fasting is that we hunger and thirst for jesus hallelujah can i hear an amen or you can give your thumbs up that also is okay yeah you understand amen you agree with me so jesus said i am the bread of life i am the living water he said to uh, the samaritan woman at the well right he tells he tells his audience in john 6 i am the bread of life i am the manna that was sent from heaven so hunger for me thirst for me and that is what our prayer and fasting is all about it is not just something that we do once in 6 months it is not a religious activity it is our desperation for jesus and jesus himself said that right in matthew 5 blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for you will be satisfied hallelujah how many of us want to be satisfied you want to be satisfied in jesus and what is the way 
it is the way to sat be satisfied is to hunger and thirst for jesus hallelujah to hunger and thirst for righteousness brothers and sisters i i i will never tire myself of reminding messiah church why we pray while we fast like we pray and fast because we love jesus we say we we do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god amen the new testament the christian way of fasting is so radically different from everyone and the same goes with prayer amen hallelujah we must understand this theory and i'm sure we do i'm sure we do right okay moving on now comes the great example now i'm going to skip verse 16 and i'll tell you why it is a different story with a different angle the point is the same but the angle is very different so if i get into verse 16 it will take me the entire message so let me jump to verse 17 which is uh, our theme this is what jesus said he said neither do people pour new wine into old wine skins if they do the skin will burst the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined no they pour new wine into new wine skins and both are preserved so we must understand firstly the water was very contaminated in uh, we're talking about the first century okay water was extremely contaminated people used basically for bathing washing utensils but very often as far as drink was concerned they would rely on other juices and one of the most popular was the wine you know it was cheaper it was um, there were plenty of trees and so wine was more popular people loved wine you had cheaper wine costlier wine that way you know and this was the process so you took the grapes you crushed them you squeezed them you made juice out of them and then where do you store it mind you they didn't have bottles then right they didn't have bottles so what was the cheapest medium of a storing these juices it was animal skin they would take animal skin chop off the head legs don't think too much into it and then stitch up all the holes possible and then the neck portion was the nozzle okay now these are modern day what you see on the screen you know you're seeing a plastic nozzle nozzle that is the modern day bottles but in the olden days they would simply tie up that end just knot it up right and then slowly open the knot and pour it and then they would pour the juice in that now what happened with wine if you know the process it ferments and when it ferments it bubbles and it expands and you know the juice takes another turn altogether because of fermentation now what fermentation does is it it basically grows and so the skin expands okay and now a new wine into a new wine skin is perfect because as the juice expands and you know grows and bubbles the skin has the capacity to hold it to contain it amen amen you understand the skin is can stretch right look at your skin you can stretch right you can you do those to children you know they get so irritated you you pull their cheeks because their skin can stretch all all our skin is stretchable that's why we are born with we don't come with like you know, we don't go into hibernation and come with new skin right we we have the same skin and we can continue to grow with it because we have the capacity our skin has the capacity to grow that is exactly how it is with the animal skin but having said that now the first course is over okay imagine a good 15 years 20 years the wine is kept preserved in that skin now you empty the wine the party comes and you finish all the wine and it's over now what do you have you have the skin you have the wine skin now what do you do with it you chuck it away if you think we are modern day disposable people this is where it is they disposed it why but why not use it again why not use it again okay this is what happened you pour the juice again into it right 
you pour the juice again into it. Now what will happen? The same process will happen, but the skin has finished its expanding process. It cannot expand beyond the point, right? Yeah, the skin is not Hulk skin. Okay, it cannot expand beyond the point. So now when the fermentation begins, the new wine fermentation begins with the old wine skin, it tears off, it bursts and the wine, wine is gone and the wine skin is gone. Both are destroyed. And that's why Jesus says new wine must be poured in new wine skin so that both are preserved. Hallelujah. You get the concept. I know some of you have heard this before, but for those who haven't, it is important that we understand why Jesus is saying. Now look at, so Jesus basically was saying it's a mismatch. It does not match. Old wine should go into old wine skin. That's fine because it's fermented and it's done in dust. But new wine into old wine skin is mismatched. So if today's example, let me just give you a contemporary example. Imagine a dhoti, right? A lungi. It looks so smart, right? Yeah. Uh, what the South Indians call it, the mundu. You know, it's so, such a cool attire. But imagine if I call you to play a football match and you come in a dhoti. Now, how does that fit in? Yeah, I'd really like to see how you'll play. And uh, please don't tell me you'll fold it half because that will be more dangerous. <laughs> Last thing I want to see is your legs coming out of dhoti. No, it's a mismatch. It's an absolute mismatch. You don't, you look beautiful in the dhoti, but you cannot wear it for a football match. Or imagine a bullock cart on radial tires. Can you imagine a bullock cart on radial tires, right? Uh, it's an absolute mismatch. Of course, radial tires are great. But they are not meant for bullock carts. I wonder if anybody's thought of this. But yeah, you know, the bullock carts are made, uh, the wheels are made differently. So this, the point Jesus is making is, it's an absolute mismatch. If you take new wine and put it into old wine skins, it's an absolute mismatch. And this is what Jesus was saying. I have not come to mix and match. Okay? The Old Testament was there. It existed. But this was Jesus's point. I am not going to take an, the Old Testament and make a cocktail out of it. You know what's a cocktail, right? You add just some things and uh, you just basically spike the drink a bit with lemon juice. And all, but the drink remains the drink, right? The cold drink remains the cold drink. But Jesus was saying, no, I am bringing around a new order. Hallelujah. I am setting a new order in action. That is why Jesus so often said this, brother and sister. He said, you have heard it said, but... I say to you, amen. He was changing it. You have heard it said, do not look, uh, uh, you know, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, do not look at a woman lustfully. You have heard it said, do not take a, take a vow and complete. But I say to you, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You have heard it said, thou shalt not murder. But I say to you, if you have anger in your heart, it is equivalent to murder. Right? You understand how Jesus was going to change the Old Testament. And why would Jesus do that? Because it was a prophecy. Jeremiah had prophesied. Look at this verses 31, 32, and we will look at 33 on the next slide. It says, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a what? I will make a new covenant, not a revised covenant. I will make a new covenant. Even Noah mentioned this this morning. I was so glad he read that. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And just to underline, just in case you didn't get it, it will not be like the covenant. It will not be the old covenant. Right? Yeah, this is what I like about the Bible. No? It just stresses and emphasizes. I'm making a new covenant. Just to let you know what is new, it is not old. 
it will not be like the covenant that I made with your forefathers when I let them out of Egypt. No, this is what he says. He says, this is the new covenant. What is it that I will make with the house of Israel? In those days, declares the Lord, what will happen? I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Hallelujah. Where was the law earlier? Where was the law earlier? It was written on the stone. And where did it reside? It resided in the ark. Amen. You understand the Old Testament, right? It was written on the tablet of stone and it was put inside the ark. But God says, no, no, no. Now, now, my law, my commands will be written on their hearts and it will be within a person. Hallelujah. My law will be in them. They will know what to do, what is right, what is wrong, right? That will be, it will be written on their hearts. It will be their God and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, are you excited? We are in the new covenant, brothers and sisters. We are not in the Jewish covenant. I find it so strange when people put 10 commandments in their house. Brothers and sisters, it is not your 10 commandments unless you are a Jew. Okay. <laughs> nice meeting you. But it is not our commandment. It is not our commandment. It is their commandment. It is their covenant. It is their testament. Don't mix it up. Don't do this joker giri. You know, bring that covenant here. Otherwise, you are then doing a cocktail. Jesus was clear. I am bringing you into a new covenant. My people are coming into a new covenant. We are not Jews. By word of definition, we are Gentiles. Pure, hardcore. They see Gentiles. Okay? We have nothing to do with the Jews. We are grateful to the Jews that they gave us a savior. But that's it. We've got nothing else to do with the Jews. Amen. The patriarchs are our spiritual father. Abraham is our spiritual father, not our literal father. Okay. They are not our literal fathers. He's our spiritual father. Jesus is our Lord. Amen. So we must understand, brothers and sisters, we are in the new covenant. And what did Jesus do? Have a look at the life of Jesus. Jesus was a revolutionary. He changed everything. When he came on the scene, he burst on the scene. And everything that he did was different. Look at the life and teachings of Jesus. The way he lived, the way he taught, you know, using parables, sitting on mountainside. Not very rarely did Jesus teach in the synagogue. Very rarely. Most often he spent his time where? In the marketplace. That is where the rabbis would never go. He would often sit with the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And these were not even supposed to be walking in the same lane like the other religious gurus. If they saw them, they crossed the road. They literally crossed the road. But Jesus sat with them, laughed with them, fellowshiped with them. Look at his bunch of disciples. You can go on and on, right? How Jesus was revolutionary and how different he was. Jesus was setting a new course of life. He was saying, women can come and attend my teachings. Hallelujah. What just attend? Be a testimony for me. That was radical. If you're talking about the first century. Amen. Yeah. And this, this uh, month, we have two women who are going to bring God's word on two Wednesdays. So get excited about that. Okay? Hey, by the way, thank you so much for all those who attended yesterday's uh, ladies service. We had 47 screens from Masiha. I'm sure we were more than 50 people. So praise God for that. Well done to you. And I chatted with Susan later and she said it was wonderful. So thank you. So this was Jesus's message. What was Jesus's message? This was a central message. God must be central. Hallelujah. God, seek first the kingdom of God. 
it was all about having a relationship with God, pleasing God, living for God. Man, for Jesus, God was central. It was not about uh, all the holidays. It was not about the law. It was not about you know what to cut and what not to cut and what to keep and how much to grow your hair. It was not about the do's and the don'ts. For Jesus, his covenant, the new covenant meant God must be central. And you love the Lord passionately. That's it. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. Amen. Amen. Here again, God goes first. So this is what, and this is why Jesus says, marvel not that I say, you must be born again. Isn't that interesting? I, very often we force on born again. But look at this word, marvel not. You heard what Jesus said to a scholar, a scholar, Nicodemus. Jesus says, marvel not, don't be surprised, don't be shocked. No, don't be heron. I'm going to tell you something. And Nicodemus was like, what are you going to tell me? You must be born again. And you know how Nicodemus responded, what? What do you mean by born again? I'm born like how I, I first have to die, right? If you've got to be born again, you must die. Yeah. Someday we will look at this verse very closely. It is an amazing, mind-blowing verse. And this is who we are. We are born again Christians. Amen? But Jesus said this. He said, marvel not. You know. So what happens to the old covenant now? In case you're wondering, wait a minute. So we are a people of the new covenant. We have a Bible which covers the Old Testament. But what happens to the Old Testament? We read it. We find strength from it. We raise our faith. We get to know God. But this is the logic of the old covenant. Please read this carefully. Hebrews 8 verse 13. It says, by calling this covenant new. And that is the entire theme of Hebrews. It is Jesus is the new way. You know, He says, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Amen. Amen. You know, so imagine if I say tomorrow, and that will not happen, but sometime soon, we are going trekking one night. We are going trekking. And somebody comes with an oil lamp. And I'm like, whoa, why, why are you here with the oil lamp? And he's saying, you know, what if it gets dark? And I'll tell him, have you heard of mobile? Mobile has a torch. Uh, or you can just come with a torch. Why would you come with an oil lamp? Or imagine if someone comes and tells me, where is the field? And I'd say, why? And he says, I want to pee. And I said, we have a toilet, by the way. You can pee in the toilet, you know. Why would you want to go to the field? Those days are gone. Those are obsolete days, brothers and sisters, when you went to the field. You know, you understand? And he says, that is what has happened to the Old Testament. There was a time when it served the purpose. But now the new has come. Hallelujah. The old has gone and the new has come. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We are a people who are new creation. If anyone is in Christ, and you're going to hear that on Tuesday, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. Amen. And that is what it is. We are new. Look at the number of times we read new. It's a new covenant. We are a new creation. We are in new times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must understand. I know we are people who drink from the bottle but please understand this concept that Jesus is trying to create he's saying we are God has brought us into a season of new wine and we are into a phase where we are we must have new wine skins new wine skin you see anything new if you heard uh, I don't know if you've heard of something called shoe bite you wear a new shoe it makes you uncomfortable right you use a new toothbrush the bristles hurt you 
Oh, anyone who's tried to exercise in this lockdown? Uh, anyone? How does it feel after day one, day two, day three? You know, it's like you feel like, oh my goodness, I better get used to this pain. You know, but as you do it, gradually the pain disappears and you begin to enjoy it. You know, you, you begin to see the difference and you're sweating and you enjoy the sweat uh, momentarily. Of course, you go and bathe. But you understand what I'm saying? Anything that is new is not comfortable. Anything, whether it's a new clothes, whether it's a new job, anything, it makes you uncomfortable. But there is one who always will resist the new and that is religion. Religion and traditions always oppose the new. And not just oppose, but oppose fervently, vigorously. They will stand against. And that is exactly when Jesus was bringing a new way of living and thinking, he was opposed. He was objected, you know, and this is nothing new. If you look at religion, that is what they do even today. Something new happens. What do the Muslims do? They draw fatwa. Oh, ah, this is not permitted. How can a girl wear a skirt and play uh, racket and racquetball? You know, that they will draw a fatwa against her. Or, you know, you say anything against the church in the olden days, they would excommunicate, which means now you will not be, you will not even get a burial. You are excommunicated from such and such a church. You are banned, you know? That is how often uh, the people respond, that the religious leaders respond to anything that is new. But Jesus says, we are not like that. We are not like that. You see, Jesus, in fact, confronted the Pharisees. If you look at this passage in Matthew 23, you look at what Jesus says. He says, woe to you Pharisees, you hypocrites, you blind guides, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed tombs. And you're like, <coughs> who is speaking? You know, it's like the teacher saying, who said it? And the principal says, I said it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You know, if you didn't know who said all these words, white was tomb, you wouldn't imagine Jesus would say all that. But Jesus was so disappointed with the Pharisees. He's like, why aren't you getting this? We are in a New Testament time. You know, why are you, why are you burdening people with all your Old Testament stuff? That's why he said, woe to you, you burden these people, woe to you, you brood of vipers, woe to you, you do this. You know, it's like, why, why are you doing it? And the Pharisees were so, so stubborn. Let me just tell you a quick story. Okay, so there were these uh, three priests, okay, three three leaders in the church. Just to, just a disclaimer, this is not about Masiya church, okay, just to clarify. Okay, so there were three leaders in the church and uh, they were going, the church was going through a bit of hard times. And there was this elderly lady. Every church has an elderly lady. Uh, so the elderly lady would came to the three leaders and said, you know, God has spoken to me something. And uh, the leader said, yes. And she said, God has asked me to tell you to give half our offering to an orphanage nearby. So people were like, what? What? He said, yeah, yeah, God has told me, give. Give half your offering to an orphanage nearby. So the three guys looked at one another and said, um, are you sure about this, auntie? She said, yeah, 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 I'm absolutely sure. That is what God has told me. So she, they said, okay, okay, we, we, we will discuss about this. Yeah, okay, no problem, thank you. She said, no, 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 I, I'm telling you it is God. So they said, yeah, 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 we understand, we understand. She said, Lord, she looked at them and said, Lord, if this is you, give them a sign. And suddenly there was a thunder from heaven, thunder. She said, see, you saw it? And they said, what, what? This is the rainy season. And so thunder is a natural phenomena. So what? And so she said, Lord, 
give me a sign, Lord, that it was you who spoke to me. And there was lightning from heaven. And she said, see, you saw? And he said, Ari, we told you it was, uh, it is uh, rainy season. The lightning is a common phenomena. So she said, Lord, these guys are not getting But speak, speak to them. And there was a voice from heaven. She is right. So now she looked at them. She said, see, now you heard it. The leaders looked at one another and said, listen, you know what? It's still three verses two. <laughs> it's still three verses two. Okay? Majority wins, no? When it comes to giving. But my point here was, they were stubborn. They were ziddi. They were not willing to hear what God is saying. And brothers and sisters, you know, this can happen to any of us. Not just Pharisees. Pharisees were very, very stubborn. But it can happen to all of us. What is God speaking to us in this time? We need to go and ask God. Okay, I'm going to end here and I'm going to continue this next Sunday. Uh, telling you a very interesting story from uh, New Testament and Christians. But I just wanted to ask you this. So this is a continual message. Okay? I want to ask you a question. If I can pause. I want you to close your eyes. And we are going to close with this. I want you to close your eyes. The thing I want to ask you is, what is God speaking to you? What is God saying? In the season of prayer and fasting, brothers and sisters, if there's something God wants you to do which is new, as a church, we will look at it closer next Sunday. This has been an amazing journey. There have been many things that have made us uncomfortable, hasn't it? The way we worship, the way we preach, the way we are not allowed to meet. This whole season, this whole time has been a time which has been new. Everything has been new. The way we work, the way we relate, the way we equate with one another, the way we do parenting, the way we earn money, the way we fellowship, everything is new. And God is saying this is a season of new wine. But the big question is, are we coming with new wineskins? Are we coming with a new attitude? Are we coming with a heart to learn and say, yes, Lord, we are willing to adjust. We are willing. I tell you, church, in these last four months, I have never depended on God so much. Every week I say, Lord, what do we do? Who do we invite? How do we do things? What meeting to have? What to cancel? I don't want to do it naturally, Lord. I want to rely on you, brothers and sisters. I want to challenge you. This is not comfortable, but God is challenging us. Are you going with the standard? This is how we did it. This is how we are going to do. We are like the Pharisees. Jesus would say, no, I am doing a new work in your midst. Don't you see it? This is the season of new wine. Wine can only be poured into new wine skins. What happens if the new wine comes into old way of thinking? It will burst. It will ruin. It will destroy us. It may even destroy our faith. But if we receive this new wine with a new vision, with a new way of looking at things, you see, Lord, I am willing to adjust, Lord. I know there's a lot of fermenting that is happening. But I'm willing to adjust, Lord. I am, I am a new wine skin. Tell me what to do. Lead me, Lord. You are the good shepherd. Lead me. I will follow. Whatever you give, I will swallow. Lord, I trust you and you alone. We will see the blessings. We will see the blessings. Everything will be preserved, Jesus said. And new wine and the new wine skin, both will be preserved. But it is important that both are new. 
brothers and sisters, we are a people of the new covenant. Let me just pray and end. And we will continue this next Sunday. There is more to it. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you so much that we are not in the old covenant. We thank you that gone are the days of law of, and death and the do's and the don'ts. We thank you that we celebrate you, Lord. You are our atonement. We don't need to celebrate a day. We are celebrating a person. Thank you for dying on the cross. As Noah so wonderfully reminded us this morning, Lord, it is your finished work on the cross. You broke your bread. You broke your body. And you shed your blood so that we, we, people of the new covenant, can have a new life. Thank you, Lord, that we are born again in you. We are a new creation. The old order of things is gone. The new has come. We rejoice in that, Lord, and we live in the good of it. Even as we continue our season of prayer and fasting, Lord, we continue to hunger for you. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to you. Amen. Amen.